Welcome to Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And now for your weekly recap, a timely review of this week's top headlines and takeaways. Here's your host. And welcome to Inside Towers Week in Review for the week of Monday, 621. I'm Jim Fryer, Managing Editor of Inside Towers. Joining me is Leslie Stimson, our Washington Bureau Chief. Hello, Leslie. Hello, Jim. Thank you. You are certainly welcome. And uh, hopefully, uh, as we continue this podcast, we will be adding some other voices in the near future. So we're looking forward to that and getting our entire staff involved in pouring back to you some of the stories they wrote. So obviously, the the ones that they know best and uh, can recap those for you. Uh, So on Monday, we uh, had some uh, news about NTIA's new broadband map. Leslie, what was that all about? Well, Jim, the National Telecommunications and Information Administration released a new publicly available digital map that displays key indicators of broadband needs across the country. NTIA says this is the first interactive publicly available map for the whole country. It enables users to explore different data sets um, describing where people do and do not have broadband access. The Public Indicators of Broadband Need tool also puts data from both public and private sources into one map, which NTIA says is a first. It contains data aggregated at the county, census tract, and census block level from the U.S. Census Bureau, the FCC, MLAB, UCLA, and Microsoft. Um, Speed test data provided by MLAB and UCLA help to illustrate the reality that communities experience when they go online, with many parts of the country reporting speeds that fall below the FCC's current benchmark. A fixed broadband service of 25 megabytes per second download, three upload. This is also the first map that allows users to geographically compare and contrast these different data sources, according to NTIA. Okay, and also on Monday, we had a story about uh, the data center business, how that's pushing forward into 5G services. Uh, Vapor.io, which is Crown Castle's venture into data centers, uh, has announced that uh, they are going to enable 5G services via a a Google platform. Uh, This was uh, reported on by by Sharp Smith. uh, and, And... Sharp said as the wireless infrastructure world builds out the 5G networks, the, the computer world is busy knitting together its networks, which are equally important to making the next generation of wireless possible. And Vapor.io, which, as I said, builds and operates automated multi-access edge computing data centers adjacent to fiber intersections, uh, which is where obviously Crown comes in as the supplier of those, uh, and last mile networks, they're integrating their platform known as Kinetic Grid, which is trademarked, and uh, with a Anthos platform uh, supplied by Google Cloud. So this multi-access edge computing uh, system known as MEC, formerly mobile, formerly mobile edge computing, is a Etsy, ETSI defined network architecture concept. And it enables cloud computing capabilities in an information technology service environment at the edge of the cellular network. 
with this platform, providers that deploy their services uh, close to their end users, they gain an edge resulting from the lower latency accessible through edge computing. Um, and obviously lower latency just means faster speed time, which um, is, is an envelope that just keeps getting pushed uh, farther and farther forward. On Tuesday, I had a story about the FCC is expected to vote in their July meeting, July 13th, on rip and replace. They've been doing this uh, in piecemeal fashion. The U.S. may soon finally begin to help small rural carriers rip out and replace telecom gear from Chinese manufacturers Huawei and ZTE. Um, actually, it's going to be replace and then rip, but rip and replace, I guess, sounds better, and that name stuck. FCC Acting Chair Jessica Rosenworcel said she hopes commissioners will vote at the July 13 meeting to finalize the rules overseeing the $1.9 billion reimbursement fund. Inside Towers Intelligence, our new quarterly, reported that manufacturers like Ericsson and Nokia have urged the agency to finalize the paperwork uh, the paperwork needed for carriers to submit their reimbursement requests. The manufacturers stress the industry needs certainty to get these projects underway. The Wireline Competition Bureau recently sought public input on the proposed application filing process. And that leads us to our second story from Tuesday, Jim. Uh, yes, the, more on the the, the ground level, as far as in the in the trenches, as, as to what's going on in in uh, local zoning and local build out of five G, uh, which is always a constant battle across the country, and and uh, each town, each state uh, looks at it differently. Uh, New York State is certainly no exception. The city of Ithaca, New York, hired a outside consultant, a man named Andrew Campanelli. Uh, who is a Long Island, New York-based lawyer, to draft code provisions to restrict locations where carriers can build out 5G. Um, on Mr. Campanella's website, he says he's handled cell towers, opposition matters, provided guidance in defeating cell tower applications before all forms of local zoning authorities and boards, and claims he is involved in drafting ordinances, which... Uh, vest such governments with the maximum authority to regulate the uh, installation of wireless facilities. So with that, um, I don't know if everything went according to Mr. Campanelli's plans because he called the, the whole thing, uh, quote, a, a horror show. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, Not a happy camper there. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, Mr. Campanelli was quoted as saying, why would you want to install 100 facilities when you can do it with three? So the answer is simple. Site developers get paid to rent space on their facilities. Uh, he said this to the Ethica Common Council for Administration last month. If they put up three towers, they get three checks a month, every month for 50 years. If they put up 100 facilities, they get 100 checks per month, every month for 50 years. So uh, with the 5G rollout, uh, Mr. Campanelli said a comprehensive code is the only way a city can avoid waking up and finding wireless facilities on their front lawns, on their side lawns, eight feet from the bedroom windows. It's a horror show. So um, <laughs> uh, no lack of dramatics there in 
in New York with Mr. Campanelli. We'll keep you posted as that, as that develops. The story we had on Wednesday was regarding uh, Legato, L-band spectrum, and that they finally got Legato finally, Legato, the Legato networks finally got the green light uh, to um, allow them to deploy 5G networks on the L-band spectrum. Uh, this approval marks the next step in Legato's efforts to deploy a mobile private network solution designed to bring next generation networks to the energy, manufacturing, healthcare, transportation, and other critical infrastructure sectors. Uh, in April, uh, this is of 2020, the FCC authorized Legato to deploy a low power terrestrial nationwide network on 35 megahertz of spectrum bands. And that will primarily support things of uh, such as IoT, Internet of Things services, in the 1526 to 1536 megahertz band and also the 1627.5 to 1637.5 megahertz band. And finally the 1646.5 to 1656.5 bands. And that's all known as band 24. So they, they finally got the green light on that. And later on- the third generation partnership project, which is a wireless industry global standard setting body. Right. And, and we have, have a little more on this just, just a little bit later on. So uh, before, before we get to that, um, what's going on in, in the Stingray business? Well, thanks, Jim. Also on Wednesday, bipartisan lawmakers introduced a bill to require the government to get a warrant to deploy cell site simulators, which are known as Stingrays. Law enforcement agencies use them to track perps, and they identify all the phones in an area. Um, Senator Ron Wyden, Representative Ted Lieu, and Senator Steve Daines, and Representative Tom McClintock, uh, they introduced the Cell Site Simulator Warrant Act. They say the measure, if passed, would end overlapping, confusing policies and laws at federal, state, and local levels. It would create clear legal standards for the use of cell site simulators. Um, Basically, law enforcement would need to get a warrant to use these right now. They are not required to do that. And right. the fact that they these simulators identify, they gather data on all the phones in an area. The bill would make them, the bill would make the law enforcement agencies just use the data for the individuals they're interested in and ignore all the other data. And then that leaves us, and then that, Brings us to Thursday. Um, we had a story about SpaceX. SpaceX says its low Earth orbit Starlink satellite broadband service could be operational in September. That's according to the president and CEO. That's according to the president and COO Gwyn Shotwell. We've successfully deployed 1,800 or so satellites, and once all those satellites reach their operational orbit, we will have continuous global coverage. So that should be in the September timeframe, she told the virtual Macquarie Technology Summit. The company still needs regulatory approval from any country in which it wants to operate. And this is all according to ZDNet. Well, on Thursday, of keeping it 
off of the ground, off of the terrestrial delivery system, uh, our beloved terrestrial delivery system of towers, uh, we had a story about uh, GOGO, the uh, business aviation in-flight uh, 5G network, uh, which um, is being designed for aircraft operating within the contiguous United States. And all of this is expected to go live in the second half of 2022. Uh, the, the 5G network will be GOGO's fourth uh, ATG air-to-ground uh, network over the, the last 28 years. Uh, it's it selected airspan networks to build and develop the 5G network, and that's designed for use on business aviation aircraft, commercial regional jets, and smaller mainline jets. Uh, the vice president for GOGO, uh, we had a quote from him saying, quote, deploying this first ground site antenna will enable us to validate our design for a smooth product and service launch. That was from David Glenn, Senior VP of Customer Operations for GOGO. And on Friday, we wrapped it up with another story about uh, Legato and how the FCC ruled that uh, they are now uh, want to hold Legato liable for uh, any uh, interference between Legato and GPS users was what the uh, FCC's uh, order was that they, they put on them. And Leslie, you, you certainly know more about this than I do. What, what was your take on all of this? Well, I covered the congressional hearings on this and the defense agencies, the Department of Defense and others were adamantly opposed to sharing the spectrum because they said it would endanger lives. Apparently many weapon systems are GPS guided and they said this is gonna interfere with that and kill people. So, and they're still opposed to it. Um, the Department of Transportation was opposed to this also. So this was approved by the previous FCC and we'll, we'll see if it still holds the way it's gonna go because um, uh, the, Jessica Rosenworcel is looking at every decision the previous FCC made and she, she's gonna have to make a decision at some point what things would still go forth the way they were written and what things she would wanna have changed if she's ultimately named uh, head of the agency. Right now they're doing that work for whoever is gonna head the agency. But last year, the FCC approved an application by Legato Networks to use spectrum for a terrestrial network that is shared with GPS and satellite users. Um, so this week, Senators Jim Inhofe, um, he's the main sponsor of this bill, him and Tammy Duckworth, Mike Rounds, they introduced the recognizing and ensuring taxpayer access to infrastructure necessary for GPS and Satellite Communications Act or retain GPS and Satellite Communications Act, which is much easier to say. Basically, it says if Legato causes interference, it's going to have to pay to uh, mitigate that interference for those users. And I just let me jump in here, as we have pointed out in the past, that uh, that is a, a bipartisan group there with uh, Senator Inhofe as a Republican, uh, Senator Duckworth, Democrat, Mike Rounds, a Republican, uh, once again showing uh, 
the, how somehow this this totally devised uh, Congress of ours can can seem to come together on uh, issues regarding regarding broadband and five G. So uh, that's that's always a hopeful sign that that they can actually get things done when they when they want to. And luckily, it's uh, it, it falls in our industry that that they seem to be the most cooperative. Exactly. And we'll see if this gets passed. Um, Congress is really focused on infrastructure and dealing with COVID right now. So this is the kind of thing that might take a long time to get to. Also on Friday, we reported that President Biden struck an infrastructure deal um, with a bipartisan group of senators. He signed on to their plan to provide roughly $579 billion in new investments in roads, broadband, electric utilities, and other projects. Um, he hopes to move a crucial piece of his economic agenda through Congress. He announced he had a deal, um, and he said, I think it's really important. We have all agreed that none of us got all that we wanted. But, of course, this is going to face a high hurdle uh, of passage, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Just having a deal is not a guarantee that the package will be enacted. Um, it is interesting to note that, uh, you know, the infrastructure negotiations have been going on for weeks. The amount of money keeps changing for broadband and other things. This particular deal has the amount at $65 billion. That's less than the 100 billion initially proposed, but in earlier iterations of this uh, agreement, um, the Republicans had agreed 65 billion would be a good number. So that's heartening and we'll see what happens. Great. And there you have it, our Week in Review. Uh, thanks again for listening. And on behalf of myself and Inside Towers and Leslie Stimson, have a great week. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.